These letters contain desperate pleas to the Egyptian pharaoh Akhenaten for military assistance to defend Canaan from nomadic invaders. One of them warns that if Pharaoh does not act, all Canaan will be lost. The invaders were identified by the name Apiru. And this is kind of a generic term for stateless individuals, people who uh, weren't connected with any particular urban center. And so the Israelites undoubtedly would have been referred to as either Apiru or Asiatics by the Egyptians. I do think that the term Apiru is the origin of the term Hebrew. If the name Apiru referred to the Hebrew people, then the Tel Armana inscriptions provide strong evidence for the presence of Israel in Canaan. They also suggest Israel may have entered the country earlier than scholars had previously thought at the beginning of the 14th century BC. Recent excavations of the Canaanite city of Hatzor could also support a 14th century Israelite invasion. Evidence has been uncovered that the city was destroyed at least twice during the period described in the biblical books of Joshua and Judges. Scattered among the remains of a large palace were Egyptian and Canaanite idols, their heads and hands intentionally chiseled off. Archaeologist Amnon Bentor has concluded by process of elimination that the invading Israelites must have ravaged Hatzor for neither the Egyptians nor the indigenous Canaanites would have purposely destroyed their own gods. So we should expect to find evidence in Canaan for the conquest. And when we uh, examine some of the places that are named in the book of Joshua, we do indeed find archeological evidence to back up the biblical account. If archaeological evidence shows that Israel appeared in the Promised Land between 1400 and 1200 BC, and if it also documents a Hebrew population in the Nile Delta for centuries before these dates, then one conclusion follows. The Israelites must have migrated from Egypt into Canaan, and an exodus actually occurred. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. If an exodus took place, then a new question arises. What path did the children of Israel follow in their flight from Egypt? Any attempt to test the biblical record must focus along the route that the Bible itself specifies. Scholars have proposed many theories, but each must account for one fact. According to the book of Exodus, after leaving Goshen, the Israelites first set out for the holy mountain, where they were to meet and worship God. Moses and his people traveled to a mountain known in the scriptures by two names, Horeb and Mount Sinai. Controversy has long surrounded its actual location. If you read the literature on the identification of 
Mount Sinai, you'll probably find 15 or 20 mountains which have named, been named by scholars uh, with scholarly arguments as to why this rather than that is Mount Sinai. It's chaos of, of critical conflict. Of the many sites proposed for the mountain, the most well-known stands in the southern tip of the Sinai Peninsula. Each morning throughout the year, pilgrims from around the world climb to the 7,500-foot summit of what is generally considered to be Mount Sinai. Few who walk these well-worn steps realize exactly how this mountain was first identified as the place where the Israelites encountered God. In the third century CE, you have the rise of the Christian monastic movement, uh, Christian ascetics going off in the desert to get along with God, following very consciously the patterns of Moses and Elijah. And some of the Christian ascetics in Egypt moved into the Sinai Peninsula. That was their new area for the desert, the new area in which they would seek God, get along with God. No civilization there, hardly any cities or villages except along the coast. And for them, they had engaged in an exodus from Egypt. They came out of Egypt, lived in the Sinai Peninsula, and this was their holy land. They read the biblical text with an allegorical approach. They see symbols and, and images of things everywhere. And then you looked around, uh, the large mountains there, Jebel Musa and some other, and it looks a lot like what probably Mount Sinai might have looked like. So already, probably by 350, it seems that some of these monks developed the tradition of identifying uh, Jebel Musa, Jebel Katrina, one of these other mountains in the Sinai Peninsula with the mountain on which Moses himself had actually ascended. By early in the fourth century AD, Christian pilgrimages to this mountain had become commonplace. And today, a chapel and a monastery stand at the base of this traditional site of Mount Sinai. Since 1956, archaeological teams have searched for evidence that Moses and the Israelites once camped here for nearly a year after their flight from Egypt. Well, the Department of Antiquities brought together bands of archaeologists both Israeli and non-Israeli, to try to do the most comprehensive survey imaginable because they knew that Sinai was going back to Egypt. So there was intense surface exploration. And when we go to Sinai, we can't find anything. It is tabula rasa so far as the period of Moses is concerned. It was uh, empty. When it was under Israeli control, they found Nothing, really, which would suggest Israelite interest in that area out of uh, over 8,000 inscriptions from the southern half of the Sinai Peninsula, only a handful are Hebrew or Aramaic, hardly any. And so the tradition of identifying one of the mountains in the Sinai Peninsula with the Mountain of Moses was a Christian invention, purely a Christian invention, without any Jewish precedence whatsoever. No Jews were ever interested in the Sinai Peninsula with any respect anyway to Moses. Does the lack of Hebrew tradition and archeological evidence discredit the biblical record, as many skeptics have argued? Or does it indicate that Mount Sinai stands somewhere other than the Sinai Peninsula? On this second question, 
the Bible appears to speak quite clearly. Now it came about in those days that Moses went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. The scriptures indicate that 40 years before the Exodus, Moses fled from Pharaoh by traveling east to Midian, an ancient territory located entirely in what is now Saudi Arabia. If Moses were fleeing from incarceration in Egypt for uh, murdering an Egyptian, then this would be an ideal place to, to find refuge. It is outside of the control and influence of Egypt. Moses' decision to hide in Midian may have been influenced by the presence of the Egyptian military in the Sinai Peninsula. Thirty-five hundred years ago, Pharaoh's soldiers supervised the construction and operation of copper and turquoise mines throughout the southern Sinai. Inscriptions on their walls and the surrounding ruins of ancient temples still provide graphic evidence of Egypt's presence here during the years of Moses' exile. It is doubtful that, as a fugitive, Moses would have lived or traveled anywhere in the South Sinai with an army committed to his capture close at hand. The prospects of sanctuary in Midian, however, were far greater. Separated by the Red Sea from the Egyptian army in the Sinai Peninsula, Moses married a Midianite woman, tended the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, and lived in obscurity for 40 years, until the day he wandered to the base of Mount Sinai. There, God spoke through a burning bush and revealed his plan to free Israel from bondage. Given the biblical record, some believe that Mount Sinai must be in Midian, but is there any other evidence to support this theory? Several Jewish documents, some written 600 years before Christian traditions, locate the mountain of God in Midianite territory. In 250 BC, a council of 70 scholars translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek for the first time. Their translation of the Exodus account presupposed that Mount Sinai stood in the Arabian Peninsula. Three centuries later, the Jewish philosopher Philo placed the mountain east of the Sinai Peninsula and south of Palestine. At the same time, the apostle Paul, who was educated under the rabbi Gamaliel, also located Mount Sinai in Arabia. So Paul and Philo, when they used the word Arabia, 
they're not thinking of the Sinai Peninsula. Once again, I think that point needs to be emphasized very clearly. The terminology, Arabia, in the first century, uh, Greek geographers usually have in mind this, the Arabian Peninsula. That's how that term is used. Perhaps the most specific description of Mount Sinai's location can be traced to the first century historian Josephus, who wrote, it was the highest of mountains near the city of Madion. Shortly after this account, Madion was identified in the Arabian Peninsula by the Greek geographer Ptolemy. And 1900 years later, archeologists excavated this city that according to ancient records, had once stood near Mount Sinai. The ruins of Madian lie just outside the modern-day town of Al-Bad, near Saudi Arabia's northwest coast. Josephus and other texts seem to be fairly clear in Jewish tradition in locating Mount Sinai somewhere in the region around the city of Madian. So the notion that uh, Mount Sinai is not in the Sinai Peninsula is something that many scholars have argued for years. And the notion that Sinai should be placed in Northwest Arabia specifically, I would say probably in continental scholarship. In other words, German and French scholars, it might even be safe to say it's the dominant idea. I think there's an increasing opinion that Mount Sinai is to be found in Northwestern Arabia. If there is historical evidence to support the location of Mount Sinai in Arabia, is there any specific mountain in this region that fits the biblical description? 15 miles east of the Saudi Arabian town of El Bad, such a mountain may well stand. It is called Jebel Alaz.